You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend David Walker. David, welcome in. Good to be here, buddy. It's a Monday, or it's a, it's a Monday for us, right? Yeah, we're taping this on a Monday. It's going to air on a Tuesday. It's a weird day here in Charlotte. We had an unexpected flyover of A-10 military airplanes. I don't know if you heard it, David. We're both, I think we're both in Uptown, and we, I mean, it was, it sounded like uh, just rolling thunder. I mean, these jets were flying, they were flying pretty uh, low. I have my my headphones in, so that's probably why. Had your beats on, the noise canceling, they cancel out even military airstrikes. (laughs) Um, No, it was, it was just weird. Uh, uh, And what else, what else happened in Charlotte today that was odd? that I suddenly school started school School started buddy (laughs) well that's odd for you how early did you wake up uh no well mine are not in in that school just yeah they're a little too young but uh, I mean the traffic school buses back in full force oh I I know I know the other thing that happened in Charlotte a sinkhole opened up on Independence Boulevard which is if you're not from Charlotte one of the main thoroughfares and yeah, yeah so it, it appears that we have military flyovers. And by the way, it, it looks like now that those were, there wasn't any kind of emergency. It looks like there's possibly going to be a flyover for the Thursday preseason Panthers game. And it appears they yeah. were practicing for that. I didn't know you, I guess it's preseason even for the military. <laughs> I guess they had to, they had to get a practice run in. And uh, the sinkhole, I, I just think it's it's hell reclaiming what it's what's rightfully theirs in Independence Boulevard. It's trying to get it back. <laughs> well, it's funny because I watched a show last night. Remember when? Which did some, uh, which I knew someone uh, close to someone who hosted that show and oh, was very really? good. Who? Yes, um, the old man, the old Paul was up doing Bill some, uh, Walker, TV. Charlotte <laughs> Legend. Still got the chop, but uh, they did a whole thing on Independence Boulevard and, and you know how Charlotte was before it came and after it came and 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 how it is now. And uh, then wake up this morning and there's a a waterman explosion that shut down one side of it, and I just can't imagine the the, the nightmarish hellscape that that road was this morning and probably still is right now. Well, yeah, it's going to be bad because it's the outbound, so it's going to be bad now yeah. or, or or in about an hour during rush hour getting mm-hmm. out of Charlotte. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a madness. So if you, it, it'll be a good time, I guess, uh, tomorrow if if people wait uh, on Tuesday to listen in the evening, it'll be great for them. They can listen to the show on their three hour uh, drive home. Uh, yeah, you so can cut that. enjoy more that. Than usual. Uh, We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Beginning in October, we'll be delivering the best Hornets news and analysis every single weekday morning. We're returning to live programming Tuesdays and Thursdays beginning this fall on YouTube and Facebook. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at HiveTalkLive for more updates about when that will begin. And if you have a question or a comment or are interested in advertising with us, sponsoring the show, email us at buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Okay, so uh, David, we're entering the period where uh, the Charlotte Hornets news 
really starts to dry up as we get prepared for the preseason. But we've got some really exciting stuff coming up for the month of September, including profiling five of the teams that Hornets fans will want to keep an eye on in the Eastern Conference. We're going to bring on the experts from the Locked On Podcast Network. They'll be joining us on the show to talk about their team and and get you ready for uh, the teams that the Hornets will really be locking horns with in the Eastern Conference for uh, those playoff spots. So that's exciting. And then we kind of jumped the gun a little bit, David. I know listeners may remember our point guard depth chart breakdown. Our entire network is going to do a depth chart breakdown for every team at the end of September and so we'll be joining them. So we've we've done the point guards already. We'll bring that back, and then we'll do the rest of the depth chart at the end of September. So exciting stuff for listeners. Uh, but uh, we wanted to do uh, one thing that is is serious and is certainly in the national conversation. And one fun thing. We'll we'll start with the serious thing, and that of course is the the news item that continues to dominate national sports radio and local sports radio for that matter this issue with uh, Colin Kaepernick of the San Francisco 49ers deciding not to uh, stand up for the national anthem and you know he released a statement and explained uh, why he decided not to do that in that uh, in that statement he said I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color Uh, And he also said to me, this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. And and how how I feel like we should start this conversation is just by asking this simple question, David, how how would you react and and how do you think the fans at large would react if this were to happen by a member of the Charlotte Hornets at a Hornets game, if they decided not to participate in that festivity? Wow. Well, as you're seeing with the reaction now, I'm sure there would be heated reaction, uh, certainly on one side of this. You know, I mean, I think one of the best takes that I saw was from um, Ron Rivera, head coach of the Panthers, um, who's from a military family. And, you know, that's why he he stands for the for the national anthem and, you know, stated his reasons. But then went out and went on to say that, you know, to each his own, everybody's going to do it their way. Um, and it's a very personal thing to him. But also went on to say, you know, that um, not to forget what this country was built on and, and those freedoms to, you know, protest or do what you feel um, you need to do to make a statement. So, I mean, that's kind of how I felt about it anyway, Doug. Um, agree or, or disagree with what he actually did. I mean, the, the, he has the right and the, and the ability and the, and the choice to do that. So I think that's how I would feel if, you know, a Charlotte Hornet did that or that happened uh, at, a, at a Hornets game. You know, we, of course, we've seen this in the NBA way back when with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and there were some similar reactions. But obviously the country and, and everyone is, is vastly different now um, than they were back then. But a lot of the same reactions popped up then, too. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the landscape I think is is certainly somewhat different. I think it's it's probably at least on the issue of race uh, a little more divided uh, than mm-hmm. when when that particular instance uh, occurred. And also, I think it's odd because even though it seems like we're in sort of a permanent state of of the war on terrorism, we're a little separated from you know large active uh, military operation 
uh, where a large group of our men and women are overseas uh, on a particular operation or, you know, a massive terror attack like we saw at 9-11. You know, I mean, I think that the the reaction would be very different if either of those uh, were the case. Um, yeah, I think I think, look, I think the the reaction would be similar um yeah. here if if it happened with one of the charlotte hornets i think it's interesting that i think the logistics of it would be kind of odd because if you've ever been to a charlotte hornets game or an nba game in general they all line up so i mean they would have to not be with the team at all uh they would have not to i guess court, to, mean, right? yeah 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 so they line yeah, up on so the court for this ceremony the benches right yes yeah. so they would have to really not be a part of the the team ceremony at all so it would be i think even more because that's the interesting thing about this is that you know colin kaepernick did this and apparently he did it the game before and no one really took yeah issue or took notice of he, it yeah i think he'd done it like once or twice and maybe wasn't dressed out for those games mm-hmm. so maybe didn't stand out as much but i mean you look at the nfl sideline especially in the preseason I don't know how many. I don't know where they stand, like other cuts and stuff. But I mean, there's a there's a billion people on the sideline anyway that, that aren't on the team uh, to begin with. So you're right. Like if it happened in the NBA setting, it would be much more pronounced because what there's only what twelve or so guys out there. Yeah. Um, and if one staff. stayed on the bench, yeah, one stayed on the bench, it would definitely it would definitely be noticeable. And you mentioned that, Doug. I mean, it would would it surprise you if something like that happened now in the NBA? I mean, the NBA has always had players. And we've already seen this earlier this summer with LeBron James and Chris Paul, um, D Wade and, and Carmelo at the end. But the di- yeah, the, making, David. But the difference. Yeah, but the difference between that and what Michael Jordan has, which we profiled mm-hmm. on this show, what he did with his article on the undefeated and and his uh, statements on the HB two issue, is that those were finely mm-hmm. crafted. This Colin Kaepernick sure. thing is not was not. I mean, it's something that he didn't even bring up. I mean, he did it as an act, as and a public act. But someone asked him about it. Where I, yeah. I think if an NBA player were to do it again, I, I think it's going. It's much more noticeable. And if they were to do it on the heels of this this Kaepernick, the the start, it would certainly their act would be a. Continuation of what Kaepernick did is, and it would be immediately recognizable. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing to understand about this is that he was making this public statement, um, and but he wasn't doing it. In my opinion, he wasn't doing it in a way that was trying to call attention to himself. Otherwise, look, we know these guys are all media savvy. Most of them are all media savvy and they they know if they want to call attention to themselves they're not going normally you don't leave that kind of thing to chance if you have a strategy and you know again i think that you look at the sp statement and you look at the t-shirt kind of thing i mean when you make a statement that you want to be immediately recognized you don't leave that kind of thing to chance you don't leave that kind of thing to one single reporter asking you about it in the locker room and then you look at his statement i read the statement and it doesn't read as something that's been thought over and over and and crafted and oh well maybe i should take this word out and put this word in instead i mean to me when i read the statement i think this is a guy who again whether you agree or disagree with the action it was done from a real place and it and and from 
his heart and not his, you know, the cynical part of his mind. So that's that's what makes it interesting. And me, here's the thing. I mean, I've just been a lot of very uh, thoughtful and intelligent things have been written about this already by by guys like Bamani Jones and others. I haven't, and I looked. I went looking, and if if you have something. And of course, Bomani is on the the side of Kaepernick, and and the others that I read were on the side of what Kaepernick did. And I went looking for an intelligent, contrary response, and I just haven't found it. And and, and listen, you know, listeners, if you if you've seen something, please tweet it to us at Hive Talk Live. I want to read it. All I've heard, David, are these the vitriol from Twitter. I've heard the the or I've seen the tweets or I've seen the statements from former teammates that have come out against Kaepernick. And, you know, certainly everyone's entitled to their opinion on the subject, but I haven't seen um, anything in depth, I guess is the word I'm looking for, uh, arguing for the contrary. I don't know if you've seen anything, David. No, I mean, you're, you just seeing more of the hot take stuff and that he, you know, makes all this money. He doesn't have anything to cry about. That, well, let's talk, like well, hold on. Let's, let's talk about that argument that, that because. Oh, that's not my, yeah. No, no, that's, yeah, that's I know it's not, I know it's not your argument, but yeah. it is, it is an argument yeah, that yeah, I've seen right. proliferated on sports radio that he makes $61 million or whatever. And that he's, he's entitled. So he's not entitled to his. Right. Uh, right to protest or he shouldn't or it's it's uncouth um Isn't it, shouldn't it be the other way around though right? that's, I mean, that's okay that's the guys that are gonna have the voice right well okay yeah exactly and and so you yeah. can tie that argument in the same knot with the argument that in my opinion the argument that uh it's whether you agree or disagree with the stance you you disagree with the means by which he did it in that you disagree that he did it in a public space at an NFL game, and but my thing is, again, if That's right. if not if not someone with a public persona, someone with something to risk. I mean, we look at those. We're, we're supposed to look up to athletes. We, we're supposed to uh, look to them to make a stand. I mean, everyone got on Michael Jordan for not making the stand. So if not Kaepernick, if not a public figure, then who? And if so, that's and and then if not in a public space, if not in a space where we're supposed to see it, then where? That's what I don't understand. That's what no one has been able to, in my in my opinion, no one has been able to intelligently put together an argument against either the who or the where. Yeah, and I mean you have a guy who plays quarterback in Charlotte, of course, who came under a little bit of fire a couple of weeks ago for an uh, interview he did with GQ. And, you know, I don't think Cam Newton saying that as a country that we're past racism, I still have some issues with <laughs> the wording and, and, and what he said and what maybe he was trying to say, but and not to jump into that, but like that's a guy trying to avoid it, right? That's a guy trying to not get into uh, the conversation, not make a stand. And it reminded me a lot of the stuff that you used to hear about Michael Jordan. And you still hear about him that, uh, you know, no one ever made a stand and, and he never came out and said anything on one side or the other. Even when he did this stuff, you hear people saying, well, he didn't really take a stand either way. 
Um, and then when you have a guy like Kaepernick who comes out and makes a statement and protests, um, which is his, his right. And, and you still have people that are not going to be happy with it. So, um, yeah, the, the arguments, I haven't seen any other arguments to answer your original question past at that point of it, but people just vehemently disagreeing with it, how he did it, um, him, you know, as a, as a person, but, um, there's been a lot of thoughtful takes on the other side that I have seen, I guess. And I don't know. I just, you get the feeling that maybe this is not the last time we see that. I don't know. I don't know what we'll see once the NBA season gets started. Stuff happens so fast these days, right? But, um, the NBA has certainly been more out in front of things like this, I think in general, but you know, it's football season now and we'll see what happens with that. I, I did see that they were looking to release him today. So. I don't know where he'll end up. Well, there's that. I mean, again, anyone that thinks that Colin Kaepernick did not risk anything, that this was uh, not yeah. a that this was not a courageous stand. I mean, I, I just I I don't see how you could think that because he again he did not. Uh, I mean, you could argue he sought attention by the very act, but he did not do the act and then seek to to bring somebody in to to put that act out into the stratosphere. Right, um, and, and then make an announcement beforehand. But one of the other weird things that I saw was he was doing this because of the quarterback battle, which makes no sense. No, if, it, if he's in a quarterback battle, that makes no sense why he would want to do this because there's only one thing that could happen as a result of that. You know, I mean, only it could only go one way, you would think, and that would be for them to release him. I don't think that's exactly going to help him in the quarterback battle. Yeah, and I, I don't there, – there's another argument – against this that that discusses the like there's an appropriate way to protest and i've never really i mean especially with something that's like peaceful civil disobedience i just personally have never understood that the 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 appropriate space the appropriate time to protest now when you're talking about you know violent violence or violent protest there's that's that's a whole nother thing but when you're talking about peaceful civil disobedience which really i mean on the scale of on the spectrum of civil disobedience this is pretty tame um so (laughs) i just don't i don't i don't understand oh there's an appropriate time and a place for this kind of i no, i mean look I, i i don't get i don't understand and i'm certainly not equipped to tell uh, on this particular subject um that that he's protesting i'm not equipped to tell him how or or why or when or where to protest but that certainly hasn't stopped many on national sports radio on local sports radio on espn his former teammates and i i just i just don't i don't understand david how you can how you can tell someone the right way to protest. I just don't understand that. Or, or why they're protesting or their, their reasons are wrong. Right. I mean, yeah. So it's impossible for us to, I think adequately relate to, to him or, or, or anyone, I guess, but you know, you're, you're saying it right. I think it was, it was premeditated. Certainly he'd done it before. Um, but the attention came, you know, only after someone asked him about it and he didn't ask anyone else on the sidelines to do it with him, right? He didn't 
hinder anyone else's ability to get up and and stand for the uh, national anthem. So it's certainly overtaking uh, overtaking everything uh, today, Doug. As, as well, and that's here, why, no, and that's we, why we I think we, you know, and that's what I I think we have to talk about it because it has become it is leaked into the national not even the national sports consciousness but it has leaked into the national consciousness and and I I think it's good to go ahead and talk about it now because I don't think it ends with Colin Kaepernick I think th- these type of demonstrations will will continue because pro athletes now have become activated they 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 know that they have power and a voice and 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 I mean we've already seen it with the SB statement that these players know that they can make that statement and maintain whatever commercial viability they have and um, I, yeah I don't think this is the end of it so we'll, we'll you know I think it was important I think it was important enough to talk about and um, sure. but we want to hear from you we we want to know your opinion email us buzz buzz at hivetalklive.com. I know that there I know that you you may disagree with us that that you you may find this extremely disrespectful and 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 think that he should not have done this at all. Uh what I hope is that you, that anyone listening would understand that it is his right as an American and regardless of whether it disrespects a member of the military that it's a circular argument in my opinion that it disrespects a member of the military who fought for the right so he should not exercise that right that doesn't make any sense i i just i hope that uh people understand that it it is not un-american i, I think the 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 conversation around this has gotten uh i think the wrong parts of this conversation have been highlighted at times on other programs and uh, hopefully we we discussed a, a few uh, that maybe you haven't heard. I don't know. But anyway, let us know what you think. Buzz buzz at HiveTalkLive.com or tweet us at HiveTalkLive. Okay, let's do something fun, David. How about that? Something a little less serious. Uh, so I promised this last week, or yes, last Friday, that we were going to do something that involved nostalgia, something that involved the internet, and here it is. I stumbled upon this gem, and I've been on this gem before. It's called The Wayback Machine, also known as archive.org. And if you've never been to this website, you can go there and type in uh, virtually any URL, and you can uh, hop in The Wayback Machine and take a look at what that page looked like through the years, including the early years of the Internet, the the mid-'90s, and so CNN, ESPN.com, you can see what their first pages look like. And I, I've done that with several other pages. And I thought, wait a minute, I've never done this with, with Hornets.com. So I fell down this. It's kind of like, a, David, it's kind of like a Wikipedia hole. Like I fell down it and, and I, I was, you know, I don't think I talked to my wife for three hours. That's how obsessed. That's very jarring. That's it's very jarring when you look at some of these pages. Okay, so I we're going to post these images on our Twitter once this episode goes live. So make sure you head over to Twitter at Hive Talk Live and check out some of the images that we're going to post. Um, I'll put it on the at thehive.com post as well. So if you don't have Twitter, head over to the post on at thehive.com 
and check these out as well. So I want to go through some of these images. And the, the first image that I have here, David, is from, let's see, it's October 27th, 1996. This is the oldest page that I could find. Uh, from hornets.com and it's it's amazing it's pre i mean this is 1996 so there there was not a lot of web design going on that wasn't i mean this was probably all done in just raw html it's got the charlotte hornets logo home court a dave cowan's q a and <laughs> a picture of Lottie Diva. I don't even know where he's standing uh, in front of, uh, I have no idea, but he's in his Charlotte uniform. It says, Vladi Divac brings his potent post game to Charlotte. And he's got his hands just sort of spread out like, hey, here I am. I'm in Charlotte. Uh, so that's fun. Um, David, what, 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 what else did you find in here? So I tried to look up um, today, but I could just find August 30th, and this is in 1999. Okay. Um, there's there's an excellent picture. One of my favorite draft suits of all time, the Baron Davis, all white suit, shaking hands with David Stern. It, it's fantastic. And then if you scroll down a little bit, a little bit more, you'll see the headline: Shin Woldrich become ownership partner. Oh, geez, the beginning of the <laughs> which, end, which is kind of the beginning of the end. Exactly right. And that was just you know a little eyebrow raising, a little funny. And they also signed. One Todd Fuller. Oh, Todd Fuller. On August first, and they signed Charlotte's own Todd Fuller. And the great thing about these websites, I can't believe they, they don't have this still. You could obviously sign up to be notified, right? Get this electronic newsletter of the Charlotte Hornets. B-mail. Direct quote. B-mail. That's right. You could get your B-mail right to your electronic mailbox office once a week. The electronic, that's what it says, electronic mailbox office. The best part of B-mail. No, 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 I made that part of it. It says official electronic newsletter. Listen, just let me live. Let me live through this. (laughs) I want this to be as as retro as possible. No, the best part about that B-mail notification, though, or or that B-mail pitch is how how much they want you to know that it is free of charge. I think that's the funniest part because, you know, I, I you know, back then it, this was like, listen, we'll mail this to you. Don't worry. You're not going to get charged. You will not. This is not right. 1-800-COLLECT. You're not going to get an extra charge on your internet bill. <laughs> it's free. It's free information. Now we take that for granted. Okay. I want to go back to 96 and I pulled another from this first iteration of the Hornets.com website. I pulled another page here. It's a Q&A with Dave Cowens that I mentioned before. And the question was, what was your take on the New York-Charlotte trade that sent Larry Johnson to the Knicks and helped you acquire Anthony Mason? And Dave Cowan said, Larry Johnson is an excellent player. He was an all-star at one time and was involved with a championship team in college. Uh, it's hard to replace that. He's a pretty good athlete for his size and was an effective player. But I think that Anthony also brings a presence. So maybe we lost a little bit on the offensive side. But defensively, I think we got a little bit better. And rebounding is probably a standoff. So... That gives you a little insight into what Dave Cowens, the head coach of the Hornets at the time, thought about the trade that sent a disgruntled Larry Johnson to the Knicks and they acquired Anthony Mason. I love it. He was a pretty good athlete. (laughs) We worship Larry Johnson now, but there was a lot of justification going on at the time to to soothe fans. Wow. 
Yeah, uh, you forget, right? You, you, you never know. You do. Uh, I pulled another one here. Again, it was a little later in 1996, but the website went through a big overhaul. It went from sort of your traditional left sidebar and then full page. Uh, you've got now it's got like a honeycomb design and it's mm-hmm. called Charlotte Hornets Inside the Hive. Uh, they've got uh, the Hornets beat here. Get the latest team news and notes on all-star balloting. Muggsy Bogues acupuncture treatment. Listen, everybody wanted to know about that. What was poking Bogues? And the deal with Anthony Mason's hairstyle. I can't tell you the deal. I tried to click it. Some of the pages when you go into this, some of the the links out don't always archive. It's whatever this little archive system that uh, I believe it's part of the Library of Congress, whatever it crawled, some things it did not crawl. Uh, and then it's got a picture of Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice leads the Hornets in scoring with an average close to 20 points a game. This was a time, David, when the small forward of the Charlotte Hornets was scoring 20-plus points a game. That's a magical time. Well, I had to tell you, Doug, you probably discovered this as well. If you kept going, if you go a little further up in the timeline, um, you can quickly turn that smile upside oh, down. I know. You get to, you know what I mean? You get to the New Orleans era, and I couldn't help myself. I mean, first of all, I didn't know what I was doing, so I was all, all over the place. But I enjoyed looking back at the original Charlotte Hornets, and then you jump up and you look at and, and you get going, and you're like, well, why is this yellow? There's a, why is this yellow mm-hmm. all of a sudden in their, in their palette? And you're like, oh, yeah, they went to New Orleans, and they did. And the page that I came upon, well, the first one had the whole starting five, and I remember that feeling when they went back to New Orleans or they went to New Orleans for the first time. It was just like watching, you know, is your girlfriend or something, like you go out with someone else. Like right. it was the the weirdest feeling. It was the same exact team, not exactly, but I mean, most of the starters and everybody you came to know and love was just in a totally different city. No, I, um, I worshipped that Bizarro team. uniforms, right? The uniforms are kind of the same, but, but not kind really. of different. Yeah, but kind of different. And, and so that was the first thing I saw. And then on the team calendar, oh, the All-Star weekend. You had David Wesley in the three-point shootout, and then you had Jamal Mashburn in the All-Star game. And uh, so that one stung. That one stung a little bit. Well, listen, it's going to sting again. Just prepare for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's going to sting again. Uh, well, yeah, you mentioned that. One thing you can do if you are – uh, inclined to do this and relive that sad period of Hornets history. You can see the evolution. Uh, you can see February 5th, 2002 under the buzz section, the agreement signed for move to New Orleans Arena. And if you click through the different uh, dates that are available to see this website, you can see it slowly evolve from Hornets.com to Hornets.com, home of the New Orleans Hornets, it is a it is a slow evolution, but it's important to note and important for maybe newer Hornets fans to understand that this happened during the season. And there's a there's an interview with Bob Bass, who was the general manager at the time on the website, that talks about uh, how the the team has had to adjust. They had to basically play in an empty arena or an empty coliseum. Because Charlotte, by mid after the All Star break, had given up on the team because the team was moving to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. and and in this inter- you can read this entire interview. But Bob Bass basically says, "Look, the Hornets are playing, you know, w- without a city. They're, they're playing. They're they're keeping their f- focus on the games. But I mean, I can't imagine 
they got to the second round, and that that's more about their talent than anything else. But I can't imagine playing in in you know basically your home court advantage is gone because uh, the 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 city had really uh, you know just turned away from the Hornets at that point, and um, it, it's really interesting. Also from that Bob Bass interview, I want to read this. Um, the interviewer asks, as we look back at what can only be termed a bizarre season, to say the least. Can you look back as far as training camp when the team really took shape after the Derek Coleman trade? Now, Hornets historians, you'll know that the Derek Coleman era of the Charlotte Hornets was uh, up and down, to say the least. Um, uh, but here's what Bob Bass says about the the weird divorce of Derek Coleman, who I think a lot of Hornets fans saw as a potential superstar uh, when, when he was first brought to the team, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, here's what Bob Bass said. The general manager, keep in mind. It was just not going to work here with Derek. He and Paul Silas had driven a wedge between each other. That was just not going to work. Derek was demanding to be a starter, and he was still holding some grudges about what had happened to him the year before when he was put on the injured list for six weeks and not allowed to practice. Paul felt it was just not going to work. We had gone through training camp and tried. Derek was in the best shape he had been in with us, but it was just not going to work. So he made the major trade, and it has had some reasonable success. That trade, David, brought in George Lynch, who ended up having to have surgery, missed a, a lot of games. But the the trade was more about getting rid of Derek Coleman, who had become a locker room cancer within that team and was not getting along with Paul Silas. It would foreshadow the issues that Paul Silas would have with Tyrus Thomas in the Bobcats era. But... It's interesting, I think, when you look back at these web pages, understanding that the first run of the Hornets was full of drama. It was not. We're, we're used to this Hornets organization now that's quiet, that's reserved, that makes uh, very little waves. I mean, Lance Stevenson was the waviest that it got, and that really, on the scale yeah. of, on the wave scale, that wasn't very high. Uh, so I think it's interesting to look back at this time and understand, oh, like the Hornets made headlines and not always good headlines. Yeah, you're right. You don't think about that. I mean, there was such a slow growth for the second time around and things were so bad in the very beginning that you don't, yeah, you're right. You don't think about how, you know, smooth, not the right word, but, but you know, those spikes, you know, it's been more of a gradual uptick. Um, and Lance is really kind of the big road, road bump there, or a, a speed bump there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you look back at this, and 2002, so it doesn't sound like that long ago. I know it is. <laughs> um, but it's weird to, to, to look back at some of these pages and say they were playing here in 2002, and then all of a sudden they weren't. And just it, it's cool to have that history back. But I wonder how much people really remember. You know, I mean, I was at that last game. Uh, you mentioned the, those empty uh, games at the Charlotte Coliseum in the playoff series. It was bizarre. I mean, it was. I can't imagine the team wasn't just ready to get out at that point. And, and I can't blame them. I'm sure not all of them wanted to leave. But to finish a season like that and to play in a, a setting like that, just under all the stuff that was surrounding that team at the time, uh, they probably you know, didn't mind the move just to get a fresh start, if nothing else. Well, you can go back on this archive and look at the proposal that the ownership team put to Charlotte 
uh, to to keep the team in Charlotte and, and what ultimately the city of Charlotte and the voters. I mean, they they put this to a, a, a vote that that didn't really have. Uh, it was more of an opinion vote, not not necessarily a binding referendum. But I believe fifty two percent of the voters d- decided that they did not you know want this proposal. And so, I mean, if you're a council person, I don't know that you had much choice um, to, to go against oh, yeah. the, the will of the people at that point. A couple of, well, well while we're on this topic, I'll, I'll hit this. So I want to go backwards to 2001 when it's still hornets.com. And this was a media advisory, a statement from owner George Shin. And it's about, it's titled, I'm a beekeeper. And this, this statement, uh, I'll just read it. I don't know how many, this is quoting uh, from George Shin here. I don't know how many folks know, but there is a very active, devoted grassroots group of people here in Charlotte who have stepped up to try to keep the Hornets in town. They call themselves, I'm a beekeeper. The best part of this effort is that these people are fans, people who love basketball, love the team, and love the city of Charlotte. What an effort these folks are making. They have created a website. They've displayed billboards all over town and even started a petition. I want to publicly thank the beekeepers and express my gratitude for their efforts. They are not going unnoticed. So, David, before there was bring back the buzz, there was I'm a beekeeper. <laughs> this was That's I went so to the weird. webs. The website was archived as well. The I'm a beekeeper website, and it's interesting. I mean, this group of people bought billboards in Charlotte to try to keep the team here, and there you go. That before bring wow. back the buzz, there was I'm a beekeeper. Which is clever. I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that. I wonder how much support they got. I mean, I wonder how how, how big the effort was. I'm I, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a part. That's what's cool about going on this archive.org wayback machine is that you get to experience some of the history. I I don't. Rec- I was a kid. I mean, I just wasn't paying attention yeah. to. I wanted to go to the games. I wasn't paying attention to some of the efforts. It's interesting to go back and look at that proposal, though, David. They wanted. Um, $220 million is what it was going to take to build the uptown arena that was proposed. And I don't think they ever even got to the stage of saying where it was going to be. I'm not sure mm-hmm. about that. But uh, tw- $220 million was the the asking price. And, and maybe I think they were asking the city for had to put up half of that. Again, a lot of that is 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 unclear. We should we could ask Richard Walker or ask uh, Rick Bennell. Both of those guys would, would, would know that for sure. But all that to say, uh, this beekeeper website put a list of reasons why th- the city council should approve it. And one of the reasons uh, was a little prescient. It said, if the city of Charlotte wants to pursue getting a team back in Charlotte, when they build that uptown arena, they're going to have to do it the way the NBA wants it done, and it will cost more. Well, two years later, the Charlotte went looking for another NBA franchise, and what would be Bobcats Arena, then Time Warner Cable Arena, now Spectrum Center, that ended up costing $265 million. So, you know, that's what's tough about this entire situation, David, is that the Hornets lost, at, at least at the time, they lost all of that history to New Orleans. Two years later, they get a team again, end up paying more for the arena. That sucks. Should have listened to the beekeepers. Should have listened to the beekeepers. They had a point. Uh, but fans at the time, or, or not fans, but city goers at, at the time were, were simply not willing to uh, 
spend any more taxpayer money on on another sports franchise. They di- they didn't feel just in talking to Richard Walker in in the time that I have about this situation. It just the the mood at the time was they didn't want to spend additional money uh, on on a sports franchise because you know the Panthers were in uh, 95, 96, and then they didn't feel like the Coliseum was old enough to completely abandon. And what people don't know about the Coliseum, David, is that it wasn't built for the Hornets. It, it was built to get NCAA tournament games, ACC tournament and NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. games to come to Charlotte. And then Charlotte ended up getting the Hornets franchise and they, they stuck them in the Coliseum. Well, what resulted is a coliseum that wasn't that didn't have a lot of luxury boxes wasn't built for what or wasn't built in a way that makes an nba arena attractive and you know as we love real fans we love the we love the cheap seats we love you know all of that as fans but the reality is that those luxury boxes and those sponsorship deals that's what sort of keeps the keeps a lot of the engine going so yeah i feel like it had like Six or eight. It was a it was a low number. Boxes. Yeah, Beca- yeah. Because it, was, it wasn't. It, it was. It was put up right. It was like as soon as they uh, opened the doors, it was outdated. I mean, it was right on the borderline when the luxury boxes. I feel like started to come in. Right. So as soon as that thing went up, it was already behind the times. So it was kind of crazy. I'm looking at this picture, Doug. You mentioned earlier, just real quick. This body Divac picture uh, yes. with his arms out and just. I swear to God, he's got a fanny pack on and his Charlotte Hornets jersey. Which is and the one that I really like, the purple. I can't find it anywhere yeah. on eBay. I would love it's to acquire one of these, the purple with the white lettering. Oh, it's beautiful. Is he superimposed in this back? I mean, this is amazing. Yeah, well, that's what you have to think about, right? 96 Photoshop? That's probably like Photoshop 1.0, 2.0. I mean, props to these people. Who put that? Because yes, like he think, is not standing wherever he is. He is not standing there. That's for sure. Like Independence Boulevard, actually. I like to think of you just walking out there with his jersey on uh, and jeans and his fanny pack. Well, did you notice some of the multimedia is like you have two options to download these videos: fifty-six k or three hundred k. Let me tell you. Oh my god! I actually managed to find one that was archived a video. It was of Glenn Rice making a layup, and I played it on my Surface which is like 2,500 by 1,400 pixel screen, high DPI or whatever. And it was, it was a series of pixels making a layup. That's for sure. It was, it was not Glenn Rice. I mean, it was just I a – I can't imagine it was, how long that must have taken back in the day. It was like wake up, go to school, start the download, come back. It wasn't even a megabyte. It. The download was not even a megabyte. <laughs> and, it, yeah, it took me a half a second. But, yeah, they, they had to make those so that you could actually – view them all right two more quick things and then we'll get out of here um so you'll really enjoy this one so i i managed to find a a a game recap that was archived and this was a game against the nets and i scrolled down to the notes this was a game from 2000 scroll down to the notes listen to this nets rookie steven jackson dunked in the third quarter and then kicked the ball into the stands as it came through the basket (laughs) With assistant coach Michael Corinne screaming illegal, referee Dan Crawford broke up the Nets bench with a sarcastic thank you. Uh, 
<laughs> so future Bobcats player Steven Jackson uh, dunked the ball and then drop kicked that same ball as it came through the basket into the stands. I bring this up because I just want people to understand my opinion. And that opinion is this. The NBA used to be a lot more entertaining. It's it's the the athletes are better. The competition is I would argue it's better just because I, I think the athleticism and the training that these guys go through uh, is so much better. But in terms of entertainment, in terms of players doing off-the-wall crazy things, it, it was a lot more entertaining pre-2000. Pre, Pre-David yeah. Stern really bringing the hammer down and saying, you know, we got to cut this, cut this stuff out. Yeah, yeah. If you, you kick a ball, what would happen if you drop kick the ball right now? Oh uh, well, it's certainly. Adam Silver would flagrant. drop kick you out of the league for probably twenty games. Oh, this was and and uh, well, and then we have to note that Stephen Jackson was involved in the malice at the palace that ended up, palace, you know, ended up really stifling. That's a really clean yeah yeah clean the game up style whatever however you want to look at it i think it certainly made it less from a spectacle right but yeah yeah from a spectacle i think it it became now the most exciting thing that happens is gerald henderson hits a lady with a ball in the stands accidentally (laughs) or um or a kid runs out of the stands and hugs carmelo that's like or shacked in a fool like the most entertaining thing in the nba today is when a player goofs but you know, right. back then you had Steven Jackson drop kicking the ball into the stands like it was an extra point. All right, one more one more thing. Uh, this is kind of cool. I, I pulled this page up from September second, two thousand, and here's a little news note. On June fifth, the Hornets announced that Director of Scouting Jeff Bauer has been promoted to Assistant General Manager, and Advanced Scout Steven Silas will become the team's third assistant coach. So there, there was a, there was a little two year break in there, but he's been a coach with the organization for for a very long time. I don't think people people see Steven and he looks young and he is young. Yeah. But uh I'm glad that the Hornets were able I, I'm obviously I'm not glad that Steven Silas did not get a head coaching position because I hope the best for uh all, all those guys that are trying to fight their way to the top. But I'm happy that he's still a part of the Hornets organization because he's a very good coach and I think it will only benefit the Hornets in this upcoming season. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Did I have, have I shared my Steven Silas story on, on the pod? I don't think you have. Did you Did you say hey? Did you just call him Hey Steve like you did Pat Riley? Is that the story? Well, well, we were boarding an airplane, <laughs> and he was on before I was. And as I walked Steve-o. down the aisle, I saw him and I said, "Hey, coach. Hey, how's it going?" And I just kept walking. Stevie. So it's Steve-o. very familiar. It's very familiar. Steve Reno. Pat. Pat and, and, and my uh, interaction, but I, right. I think there was a, a definite moment there where he, <sighs> he recognized, you know, there was some appreciation. You just, you're just completely against Mr. Like Mr. You just can't say it. This Mr. Silas. Mr. Silas. Uh, I would, if his, if his dad was on there, that's exactly what I would say. Well, all right. I'll take your word for it. Uh, d- but definitely fans, uh, listeners g- go out there and uh, go to archive.org, enter. The best thing to do, I'll give you a hot tip, a pro tip. The best thing to do is in the URL, do not enter hornets.com because you won't get the early pages. Enter nba.com slash hornets and you'll get those 96 through 97 pages because apparently, you know, before 1999, nobody knew how to do a redirect. So 
anyway, it's a cool thing. Go play around. That's only what we found, but you know, we spent a couple of days on it. But go go find some Hornets nuggets. And if you do find something really interesting, email it to us, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com or send us a tweet at Hive Talk Live. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, please give us a five-star review. Tell us what you think about the show. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. And we want to hear from you. As we said, if you have something interesting uh, that you find on that archive.org, email us your Hornets thoughts, your questions, comments, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. We're back again later in the week talking more Hornets. Uh, probably not going to talk about Colin Kaepernick again, but who knows? Maybe we'll see. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America, let's swarm Charlotte.